meditate. These are all on iTunes podcast, Sold NYC. If you want to ever practice meditation at home and take on the 30 day challenge. Jackie's super soft. Jackie's super soft. Jackie's, <laughs> Jackie's jolly, I don't know, jump in. Uh, um, the 30 day challenge, if you want to do it, it's much easier to do it sometimes with someone guiding you in, obviously. So all the meditations are actually on the podcast. So if you ever wanted to do it, you could even just do it going through our meditations. That makes sense. And Spotify has a guided meditation. Oh, there's tons of apps. But if you want the Jewish version of yeah. the spirit, they don't bring in the spiritual usually. No. They just, they do the calming of the mind, which is great, but we try and do the, bring in the spiritual as well, but whatever you want. Um, Calm app is very good. Headspace app is very good. You know, all these things. Um, so, uh, so meditation itself develops a certain character trait inside of us that Judaism and Torah talk about a lot. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of character traits you can get in touch with through meditation, but the, the, there's one specifically that's really connected in its core, and that is the idea of self-esteem and inner self-definition, meaning that I draw my sense of self-worth from defining myself internally, not externally. Yes? It's making sense? Everyone's looking at me blank faces. Yeah? So the idea that the, the, the concept of the meter, the character trait uh, in Judaism that this is known as is, is we call it sniot. Sniot, um, which you may know it is a different association, and we call modesty, right? Modesty. And then modesty is about really how you dress. That's what we typically know, like the stereotypical association is. Yes? Modesty, sniot in Hebrew means you've got to cover up, you've got to wear a skirt, you've got to cover your elbows, right? It's about the, the, the centimeters and all this stuff. So I want to move far away from that because that's not, really what the, that's not really the goal of modesty. The goal of modesty is to define yourself internally. That's really the goal. So no matter where you're at in your own connection, um, and it's not, a, it's not even really, I, I don't want to go near the Jewish law or customs of modesty. I want to go into the internal um, root of it because until you understand something from its roots you don't really all the other things seem either weird or extreme or you don't relate or whatever and the goal is not necessarily to relate to the custom it's to relate to the character trait that i think everyone for sure resonates with and wants meaning to be defined internally and to draw self-esteem from my internal sense of self and not from the external world um but it's so hard it's so hard to do that right it's so hard to because it like like Oprah says, right? Thanks, Oprah. You know, we are we are all worthy, right? This is these kind of phrases are all bandied around. They are. We are we're all intrinsically worthy. We know this, right? Like the, it, we know it. We know it here. But if you look around society, it doesn't really make sense because does society act like we're all equally worthy? Not at all. Like not in the slightest. What makes you more worthy in the eyes of you know society, Western society around you? Your value. What do you material. mean? Oh, like so material possessions. The more material possessions you have, the more worthy Where you're deemed. What else? Good. Followers, likes. Oh, how popular you are. Yeah. <laughs> how many people like her? How many followers? How many what views does she have on YouTube? How many, right? How All of a sudden that gives you status, enormous status, yeah. How successful you are? Successful. In what sense? Uh, like your career, your job. Career, job. Money. Oh money, so money's another one. Money makes the more money I have, I'm more more valued I am in by society. What about beauty? Beauty? Yeah, the more beautiful I am. What else? Intelligence. Yeah, intelligence. So you see that this is completely not true. On the one hand, we're saying we're all intrinsically worthy. 
right? We all believe internally that everyone has a sense of worth that's intrinsic. And on the other hand, it's not actually how we live at all. It's not what society reflects back at all. The more higher levels you have of fame and beauty and power and followers and um, intelligence and success and all these things, the higher you are valued. So it feeds that feeling that we're not really intrinsically worthy. Yet we know that to be true, so where does that come from? So that's what I wanted to explore a little bit today and then go into meditation because meditation is the place where you actually access that feeling. Meditation is the place where you can even begin to work with that reality of internal self-definition. Um, and that is, the place that, that, that is the place that you can then practice all the other things we've discussed. Let go, let God, and patience, and let, you know, all the other things we've discussed, calming yourself down, all of that's good. That's where it, it, meditation for sure enhances all those things. But the internal root of this, this idea is, 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 is really the core. So it's interesting, my rabbi I was close to in Israel used to say, there's no such thing as an inferiority complex. You are inferior. Right? Meaning like on some, hand, some level we feel, our, we feel our, our, like our vulnerability. We feel that we're not really perfect. Like we feel that, right? We know that we're inferior. So what makes us worthy? Like, we try and pretend we're in control. Like, we know we're not at the end of the day. Like, the deep down, if we're honest with ourselves, we're not. So what, what gives us that sense of, of worth? And where is that coming from? So it turns out from a Jewish perspective, like, we're looking at the Jewish perspective of self-worth, I guess. Like, where does that self-worth draw from? And the idea in Judaism is that every single person is a soul, right? You have a soul. Soul is like a godly soul. The soul is, you can't really say a piece of God because God is one. There's no, you can't cut God up into, pit, into bits, right? But in a sense, there's a spark of godliness inside every person or, or holiness, spirituality, a spark of your soul, you know, your soul is, a, that, is that connected to that spark. And that spark that you have inside of you, that soul that you have inside of you, means that you have godly potential. Now, when I say godly potential, it's an elevated potential, a holy potential, a, and a potential to be very righteous, to be above what we would call like the um, human, like the instinct level, right? The lower self, the animal self. You have a capacity to be an amazingly, incredible, great human being, right? And if you think of any person that you admire in life right now, think of someone you really, really, truly, genuinely admire and respect enormously. And if I go around and ask you, what is it you respect about them? Like what character trait do you respect about them? What would you say? What would be some examples? Humility. Humility, yeah. Kindness. Kindness. Honest. Perceived strength. Perceived strength is strong, internally strong. Yeah. yeah. What do you admire about people? Positive mindset. Positive mindset. Respectful. Respectful to others. Yeah. yeah. So when we look at these qualities, they're all godlike <coughs> qualities, so to speak. Right? They're all elevated qualities. They usually are overcoming some sort of selfish drive within in order to demonstrate that quality, whether it's compassion, mercy, honesty, respectfulness, right? It's not just about knee-jerk reaction from my lower self. It's from a higher place. So every single human being has the, has the ability to, to be godlike, to emulate a godliness, meaning to be coming from your higher self, your higher soul all the time in life. But it's a lifelong journey. It's not something we can do just in a blink of an eye. So the interesting thing is, that um, in, I'm just going to quote one source here, in the Mishnah, Perkei Avos, Ethics of Our Fathers, it says here, Beloved is man, humans, who, was, who were created in God's image. 
God revealed an even greater love for us by informing us that we were created in God's image, as, as it said, for the, in the image of God he made man. So, meaning there's two things happening here. One is to register that we're made in God's image, meaning that we have a godliness inside of us. And the second is that it was indicative of a greater love that we were told that. Because if you think about it, God could come along and just create a human being and then go, okay, done. But the fact that God said, by the way, you were created in my image, tells us that we then know about our potential. Otherwise, we wouldn't necessarily know. Is this making sense? So we know that we're made in a godly image and that we have this higher soul and we're meant to be bigger than just our lower instincts that want to just make us feel good and just have what I want to have and indulge in what I want to indulge in and knee-jerk reactions. Like we're, we're told that. Animals have a, have a type of soul, but it's a lower soul. It's called the nephesh. And the animals do not have the obligation or capacity to rise above that lower soul. They have a soul, but it's a lower soul. They don't, they don't, you don't see chimpanzees sitting around plotting on how to save the forest. Right? They don't, there's no higher moral drive there. Yes? So they have, they have, they have um, abilities to bond and connect and a lot of other things, but it's, it's, it's on an instinctual level. Okay. Um, so... There's two pieces. One is knowing my own worth and one is knowing that in the eyes of God, I'm worthy. Yes? So one is knowing my own worth and I personally don't think that you can disconnect the two. Doesn't knowing your own worth, isn't that the answer to what makes you worthy? Like when you know your own worth, you are, you're worthy. When you know your own worth, you are worthy. Yes, but how do you get to know your own worth? So that's what I'm suggesting. I don't believe they're separate. I believe that you feel your worthiness when you realize that you're not, you don't exist as a separate, isolated human being who happened to be born and you just happen to be here on this world and like, oh, well, I'm here. I guess I've got to make the most of it. When, there's, when, you, when you connect with the idea that you were put in this world for a reason and you have a life purpose and you are here to make a contribution and that you have a soul and that God in, has, is intentional about you and you're not a mistake, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing in life, you're not a mistake. You're not in the wrong family. You're not in the wrong time. You're not the wrong, even no matter what you've made, whatever. When you start really connecting with this idea that I am here for a reason and I am in, God had an intention with me and I'm connected to God and he's involved in my life and he loves me very much. If you actually connect with that on a deeper level, it, it is life-changing. You live your life differently. You can't not. I mean, yes, we go through moments where we forget that, but essentially if you can come back to a sort of baseline, remembrance around that, it changes your whole sense of self, everything about you, right? Because then you're drawing on something from internal rather than from external. Right now we feel that the only worth that I get is something I get from the outside, often. Not always, but often. Whether it's likes, followers, you know, attention, whether it's an exam results, whether it's a job, whether especially there's so much pressure that if I get this and this and this and this and I have a good boyfriend and I'm wealthy and I get a great job and then I'm, I'm going to be, I, then I'm worthy. On some level, that's how we feel. Then I'm worthy. But deep down, there's a big emptiness inside that even when you get all those things, it doesn't feel that way. Right? Um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it, it, and, and when you look at, you'll know this from your, from your industry, when you look at the, the people who have the highest value of all the things we mentioned, which are often the celebrities, right? They're the most unhappy usually, deep down. They don't have, they have the worst relationships. People who like are in 
full-time, not everyone, because you can choose to live by your values and there's always exceptions, but as a culture, there's no inner definition, you know, so that it's, it's very hard. The ones that do stand out like bright lights, right? But they have the highest value of, uh, of all those things and they have the most broken relationships, the most, you know, despair, all the depression, those kind of things. Um, okay. So to know your worth, you as a Selamelokim. Selamelokim is the, is the phrase for being made in the image of God, which is godliness. We need to go deeper into our own essence, beyond words. The only way to go in is through silence and learning how to be silent. Learning how to be silent. It's so hard, especially in this generation. It's so hard to be silent. It, I, I feel like if I, can, if I guide you in, it's okay. But if we were silent, it would be hard. Right? So those of you who've been here before, if I'm guiding you in with my voice, so it's not silent. You're listening to me guide you in, which I think is valuable because it leads you to a deeper place. But once you're in, if I was just to leave you there silent, it's scary or it feels uncomfortable or you get restless or you get agitated or you start thinking about, oh, you can't stay, it's hard to stay silent because that's really the time and the place that you make contact with your full inner being where there's nothing else but just you. Yes? And I don't want to freak you out, but I kind of want to freak you out. At the end of your lifetime, Judaism says that's all that's left. At the end of our lifetime, your body technically goes to the ground, your soul technically goes up, and what's left as you, meaning your identity as you, is the sum of the free will decisions you've made your whole life that define you as you. And that, those free will decisions, that's it. Whoever you are, you're left with that as a result, and that's it, and then you just have to sit with that forever. In silence, so to speak, meaning, it's, we, don't, we don't have the same time and space up there, but we're left to sit with whoever we are, so you better like yourself. Because at, at the end of the road, it's you and you, right? No one, no one accompanies you when you're born and no one accompanies you when you die. You're left with you. So whatever your inner world and inner space feels like, that's you at the moment, right? Now, of course, we go up and down depending on moods. It's not about being happy all the time. That's not what we're talking about. But it's about an inner sense of peacefulness, acceptance, embracing, being with, being okay to be with whatever is going on, right? That, that sense of embracing, that sense of acceptance is what, is what changes things. So we have to develop a skill of finding a quiet place in our mind, being able to quieten down our mind and find that quiet place. And that's the only time we really can get in touch with who we really are is in that quiet place. And only in real silence can you really understand and only one who is silent can really listen. As I'm reading from Rabbi Akiva Tatz. Okay. Just to understand a little bit deeper, that words are limited. Yeah, words are li they're like fragments of meaning. You know when you've had an amazing experience, you come back from a vacation or something happens and you're like, how was it? Someone says, how was it? And you're like, because so much happened. And like, how do you put everything that happened and how you felt and experienced everything you experienced into a word or into a few words? Very hard. It like constricts, it constricts reality, yes? So like some things are even beyond words and it can be extremely painful to try and put into words because it, 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 it diminishes them and it, it squashes them. That makes, so, so experience, usually we're in touch with 
We have experience in life of things as they really are. And then words are description of those things. They're not the thing itself. Yes? I don't, inside myself, I am just me. I'm connected to me. I don't walk around going, I'm Jackie, I'm Jackie, I'm Jackie, I'm Jackie. Right? Jackie is just my name, a label that you use to identify this face. But I don't need it inside myself. Inside myself, I'm just connected to what is. Yes? So words are just labels. They're not really the thing itself. I once was with two friends who had given birth recently at the same time. And one walked in and hadn't seen the other one for a while, and they were like, how was it? <laughs> and the other one was like, oh. And the other one was like, oh. And I was like, what, what, what? Right, they were sharing a whole language without words, right? It, you can't put that into words. You can't, even if you try, you can't, right? We've just, sorry, yes, a theme repeating here, sorry. Um, okay. So we have... Some people need to talk to themselves all the time, even by themselves, because they've lost touch with that inner essence. So the only way they can connect with themselves is by talking out loud and hearing the feedback loop coming back in, rather than just being in touch internally. Does this make sense? So it, it disconnects you in a way, because you're not connected deep down inside, you're just doing a feedback loop through the, through the words. Yes? So it's a low level of operating because it's not who we are, right? We're much deeper than that. But people don't know necessarily how to connect in a deeper way. Okay. By the way, Moses, we know the famous Moses and the Jewish people. He was one of the top leaders. And do you know that he had a lisp? It says that Moses had a lisp. So he was not charismatic and he wasn't this big speaker. He had a lisp. And he's saying to Hashem, like, he's saying to God, I can't, I can't even speak. Like, I can't be the leader. And God's, you know, go. That's who you, you're the one I want. Because he had such a direct connection to the essence of everything that by the time it came out, it couldn't come out right in his words, through his mouth. Right? He, he was connected to all of reality from his essence on a deeper place. Things grasped prophetically. He was a prophet. So things grasped prophetically should, could never be shrunk into words. All right. Trying to... So how do we operate differently then? So when, when something happens, when, or when, when we grasp something deeply, the first thing to do is to savor its meaning inwardly. Think of ourselves as a well, a deep well. Right? That's your inner essence. That's your inner vessel, a deep well. And we've got to let it, something sink in, or as Alexi would say, Alexa would say process, Right? To, to let it touch, make contact with our deeper inner being. What's our tendency today? Our tendency is as soon as something happens, I'm going to post it back out there, right? So something happens and I want to look, I want to just vomit it straight back out. So if it happens and then I put it back out, it never made contact with my deeper being. Does this make sense? I never get to, I, get, I never get to absorb it. I never get to connect with it. I never get to really see how it affected me because I'm, I'm so busy sharing it because I think that's where the real connection is. I think if I share it, I'm going to feel a deeper connection somehow. But do we ever feel that way, really? Not, not really. It's cool to see how many likes and everything, but like, it doesn't make me feel more connected. So what happens is if we're like a deep well, the deep well is the place where my inner godly spark connects. Where my, I get to connect with my soul that is connected to infinity. That's, 
That's where I get to connect in my deep inner well. If I cut that off and put more of myself out into the world, then I'm not here to connect anymore. There's less of me even home, so to speak. So the concept, if we want to just, just, I'm just threading this in so you can make sense of where to put it internally in the Jewish concept, if you've heard these ideas before from a, from, about modesty. The whole idea of modesty is to be connected in your inner well. And when you walk through the world, that you're presenting yourself as a whole being and not just a physical body. Right? Because if I just put myself as a physical body, I'm disconnecting myself from the rest of my whole being. Meaning if I just dress in a way that only flashes flesh, and that's what people look at and relate to in me, however that means, I'm not talking about even halakha, I'm not talking about Jewish law. I'm saying whatever, however it is you dress, if you dress in a way that's physically provocative all the time, it gets you that cheaper attention of like a like, right, or a, on, a, on a post. But it doesn't get you that deeper connection that you really want. And by doing that, you disconnect yourself from yourself because you've, put your, you've, cheap, you've, put, you've cheapened yourself by showing that you're a one-dimensional being. Does that make sense? And, you're not, and by wanting external validation rather than internal validation. So rather than me knowing who I am internally, I'm wanting external attention to give myself that connection. But we never get it, and women always intuitively feel it doesn't work. But we don't know what else to do because everyone's doing it. And like, that's the way to look good. And like, you know, it's, we're stuck in a culture. Although I, I always felt if women, if women just bandy together and change that, you know, it, it would make a difference. Um, and I don't mean dressing according to halacha. I mean just, just making a decision to present yourself as a whole person as opposed to a physical being. Just even that decision on, on whatever level you're at with yourself. Like, it would make a big difference to your own connection to yourself. Right? Um... Okay. All right. There's people that you know that when you speak to them, you can have a conversation, they've kind of told you everything about their whole life in one conversation. So like there's nothing left internally, like they've nearly vomited their whole life out. So those people are also, they're not living inside, connected to themselves in a deeper way, usually. There's always more to who we are that should be shared or could be shared. Right? That's when you're connected to your inner place inside of yourself. And it's important to be able to come back to that whenever you, it, whenever you disconnect. It's important to be able to know that there's a pathway back to that deeper place and it never, ever goes away. Because if you empty yourself completely, you retain no connection to your source. Okay. Um, so what I thought we should do, would do today. Oh, by the way, just before I finish, there's a quote here. That, there's a quote here that says, Esav is known as the man of the field and Yaakov was known as a man of tents. In the Torah, it talks about these two, uh, these two figures, Esav and Yaakov. Man of the field and a man of tents. And Yaakov was called a man of tents because he dwelled in his tents, his inner well, his inner tents, right? He called it tent instead of well. It's Rabbi Gershenfeld from Maor, head of Maor, right? It's a beautiful quote. I just heard him say that once and I was like, it's so beautiful with this concept. And he says, Sneas, modesty, self-definition is just that. 
It's the tent within which one can dwell internally and find the privacy to change. Right? It, it's the tent within which you can... Meaning, when I have an internal sense of self-definition, that's where I can live internally and then I can grow and I can change and I can work on things. But like it's a private... I'm not out there for everyone to see. Right? It's my own private place I can come back to and recharge, reconnect, work through. Whereas Asaph, on the other hand, was known as a man of the field. He was out there all the time. Right? In the field. Always out there. Because we think that that's... It's like a... We think that that's seductive. We think we're going to get what we need there. Okay. So, with all of that introduction, um, are there any questions, comments, protests, sharing, ideas? Does this make sense? Yeah, I guess I was like slightly confused with how the modesty and the inner well like tied together. Yeah, I think I got distracted with like thinking about like modesty as like the framework that I consider modesty to be in right now. Um, but I think that tied it in nicely of like that's that's your your inner space is like where you're able to like process and like and and change in your own way versus just like being outwardly like engaging all the time and like trying to change in that way. So I I kind of got lost, but then I think I found it. But I don't know. Um, yeah, I think. So you what basically what you're saying is like the the quiet time that we take to like go within is the time that we allow ourselves to reconnect with our deeper self mm -hmm. and in that we know ourselves better so we don't have to rely on the external world to give us that pretty good feedback. pretty good pretty close yeah yeah meaning when we connect with our internal world internal well let's say well because well resonates that's where you get in touch with your fuller complete picture of who you are which includes your higher self which includes you know more of you more of you rather than less of you um, anyone who's done a meditation here has felt themselves in a more expansive way usually by the end of the meditation you're more centered you're more connected to yourself and when when I get into that place to then imagine putting myself back out there as only a physical being meaning dressing in a way or acting in a way that promotes me to be only physical feels very cheapening to a person, to yourself, to do that, right? Regardless of attention you get or not get from external. But to, to put yourself, so the modesty in Judaism of the dress and all of that is the outer expression of how to be in the world that protects the inner space, meaning that it keeps it intact, that I can walk through, the, go the goal is not to be ugly, the goal is to be attractive, but not attracting, right? To be attractive, but not attracting, that when I walk in the room, not every head goes right because then I'm just being related to purely on this physical level and then it's it's objectifying me I'm objectifying myself essentially and then that that is that feels painful to the other parts of you right you know the feeling when you walk past a, a, a work construction site and, and a guy a guy a guy whistles a dog whistles it's like oh like feels like gross, get off, right? Why? Because I've just been purely objectified. It feels disgusting. Right. That's the feeling. That's the feeling, right? Now, I'm not saying we walk through life like that all the time and that I'm using the extremes just to, point, to prove a point, but it's the idea of how you relate to yourself in general. It can be just an attitudinal approach internally, even if you, you know, don't dress that way. If you, if you look in the mirror and start picking yourself to bits, what do you think you're doing, right? It's the same thing. I'm treating myself with that physical like I'm only a physical being and it's so hard not to do. 
wish I lost a bit of cellulite, right? right? It's very hard. So, so, this, so by, by spending time in meditation, when I go into that silence, it connects me automatically with the place inside of myself and a quiet space inside of myself. That's the place where Natasha found that she found a deeper part of herself, this deeper essence that separated from her thoughts even. Even your thoughts, you think that's part of me, it's inside of me. But the meditation separated her from that so much that there was a part of her that was separate from the thoughts. The thoughts were there now, but they weren't defining her. They weren't even react, you weren't making her react in the same way. Right? That's a very, it's a much higher level to be able to connect with that deeper part and be there regularly. But it's liberating. It's amazing. Imagine walking around the world and not caring so much about what other people think. For women particularly, even though there's always exceptions, it's a very big prop challenge, let's say, for women, because we're very, um, we're very, we like people, we're very good at relationships and connection, and we like to, in a way, people please, we like to get approval, we like to have fun, we like to feel connected, we like to have friends, we're in tune with people and relationships. So it's very, very hard to do what's right internally at the risk of disapproval. One of my favorite sayings is, the biggest power a woman, woman can have is being willing to disappoint. If you're willing to disappoint someone, you are free. Right? Just saying, okay, so they're going to be disappointed. Okay. But we're like, no, 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 it's okay. Are you okay? Are you, are you okay? Are you, sure, are you sure it's okay? Right? <laughs> but it's not okay, it's okay. If I can just get to the place where if it's not okay, it's okay... And if they're disappointed, it's okay. Like they're allowed to have their disappointment. If I need to do something different, you know, I'm dealing with this with friend with our students who had, couldn't go to their friend's, um, you know, wedding or be in the bridal shower or whatever because it's on Shabbat, and they wanted they could no other way they could work it out like whatever or they couldn't go to something because it was on, and they they're choosing to keep Shabbat now. Like just as a recent idea that came up, a recent example that came up, devastatingly difficult. That's a really hard one. Right? Oh, they're in touch agony inside. What are you going to do? Will you feel better if you betray your own values? No, not really. You won't. You won't, you won't feel good at all. No matter what that. No matter what the value is. There's obviously always two values going on, right? At any one time, there's two values, and you have to choose which value is more. And this is in life. It's got nothing to do with Judaism. It's got nothing to do with spirituality, even. If I literally want to stop myself from holding back from the chocolate cake because I value diet and my health, I'm going to say no to the chocolate cake in order to have my diet or health, right? So at any given time, I, I love the chocolate cake and I value it, but I also value my health. And right now, I'm really valuing my health higher and it's more important to me not to sacrifice. So I'm going to say no to the diet. Like any given time, I have a huge job interview the next day and everyone's going out. And I really value my friends. They're going out. It's, I don't know what the last time we'll be all together. But I really value the job interview because I really need a good job. So I'm going to sacrifice going out. Your friends are like, what? How could you? Uh, I'm going to sacrifice it because I value the job. So at any given time, there's an exchange going on of values always. And in Judaism, you would only choose to do something from a Jewish place if you value it. Right? You, you would choose that because you value what it is for you. That's all. And I'm not telling you what to value. I'm just saying that's the, always the exchange going on. No one else is coming from the outside saying do this. But there's always an exchange going on. So did I tell you the story about this hip-hop class I did? No? I'll just finish this and then we'll meditate. Um, 
I, was, I actually was with another Rebickson, and we both had to have a history of dance. Like we danced for many years, so I love it. I, I don't get to do it so much. And um, we went to this gym where they had a hip-hop class um, in New Jersey a while ago, a number of years ago. And I didn't realize, but there was this like cool black mama named Angel who was taking the class. And she was a hip-hop singer as well. And she had all her groupies in the, in the class. And they all knew her routine. And they found out later they were her backup singers. I mean, like, it was a whole thing happening in this gym that I didn't realize. Um, and many, most of the group was, were Jewish women, which I also didn't realize till later. Um, and it was a really hard class. It was really hard, like, dance class. And I was just barely keeping up because they also knew it, right? And I was sweating, like, I was just sweating everywhere. And I was wearing, like, my... Um, my, my leggings and my like stretchy uh, black skirt and, and a, a sneakers and I had a cotton t-shirt to like here. And just because I choose to dress modestly in that way. And um, at the end of the class, I remember this lady came over to me in the class. I had no idea who she was. Did I tell you the story? No. And she looked at me with complete disdain, understanding how I'm dressed. And she pointed to her tank top and she said, this is why reformed Jews are more popular. Like with complete disgust on her face. And I was like so in such shock, because like I didn't know this lady and like I don't care, like whatever she does is fine, you know. And I was just like, and I remember thinking to my head like to, to, to God, like please give me something intelligent to say. Like I have no idea what to say here. And I just was like, you're right. And she's like, what? And I was like, you're right. I said, either we're completely nuts or there's something that we believe in that we believe is higher than being hot. Oh my god. I was like, thank you. I have no I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> right? Meaning, you are right. Like either we're completely nuts, or there's something else I believe in that I believe to be true that I value more than being hot. I'm not saying I'm not hot. I'm hot. I'm true. I was sweating with you. <laughs> right? Right? And she went, uh, like she kind of got it. And I went, wanna come for Shabbat? <laughs> <laughs> true story so we started talking so in, the, in the locker and then we were all fine and she was like what are you doing for Passover you know like so so but that's the idea the idea is at any given moment you're choosing something over something else right okay so let's go in and we're going in 